This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Follow the outrage on Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Where to start, where to start, where to start. Hello, welcome to the program. My name's Brian Lilly. It is an absolutely beautiful day here in the nation's capital. Not too hot, not too cold. It's kind of a Goldilocks day for the first full day of summer. Um, and light breeze, sun still shining at 7.09. It's going to shine for the next couple of hours. You couldn't ask for a better day. And yet, in the middle of that, an awful lot of news. We could start with... Something international that has a somewhat local connection to it, and that being the terrorist attack in Flint, Michigan, at the airport, where a Canadian man who is apparently from Montreal is now under arrest after stabbing a police officer yelling, Allah Akbar. We could talk about something very, very local, just blocks from me right now, not even blocks, a a block and a half maybe away from me, the Salvation Army shelter looking at moving. Why? Because the mayor says he wants at least some of the shelters out of the Byward Market, out of the core, they're looking at moving to Montreal Road. They're looking at moving to Vanier. That has some people upset. But no, let's start tonight with something that is local to your dining room table, to your kitchen table, to your back deck tonight. As you sit back with a beer, glass of wine, maybe a, a cocktail, you having a boulevardier, a Negroni, martini, what have you, There's a fight going on in the House of Commons and the Senate over a daft idea by Justin Trudeau and his liberals to try and make your enjoyment of your evening more expensive in perpetuity. If you remember just after the last federal budget, Ron Ambrose coined a great line. She said, Justin Trudeau and his liberals want to make your Saturday night more expensive. Why? They were increasing the tax on Uber. They were increasing the tax on your booze. They put in what is called an escalator tax, which means every year the excise duty on alcohol, the excise tax on alcohol would go up by 2%. They wouldn't even have to vote on it again. Every single year, taxes going up by 2%. This is unheard of in Canadian history. We don't do this. This is not how our parliamentary Westminster parliamentary system operates But Justin Trudeau and his liberals, they don't care about parliamentary tradition. They don't care about a Westminster-style system. They run things their own way how they see fit. Trudeau, in fact, I would argue, doesn't even like our Westminster system. He wants to run the place like a continental European socialist welfare state. So they put in this, this little thing into the budget. And it may seem like a little thing, but restaurants across the country... Never mind the the vintners, the brewers, the distillers, restaurants across the country are saying, wait a minute, we have really tight margins already, and we are struggling in the restaurant industry. You may think that it's not so bad in the restaurant industry. Lots of people are out. But do you know how many sales are on, how many specials? I talk to restaurant owners, on uh, bar owners on a regular basis. I mean, they surround me here in the Byward Market. And I talk to folks and they will say, 
look, we are on incredibly tight margins, single-digit margins. We are just doing our best to get by, pay our staff, pay our suppliers, and give our customers something that will make them come back. You increase taxes by 2% in perpetuity, that's going to hurt us. The vintners are saying the same thing. The distillers are saying the same thing. The brewers are saying the same thing. And so what happened? Well, the chamber in Parliament that we like to call the chamber of sober second thought, the Senate, the unelected, yes, the unelected Senate, decided to take that out of the budget bill. Earlier today, Wayne Easter, liberal MP who chairs the Commons Finance Committee, they said, well, you know what? They can send it back if they want. We won't, uh, we won't accept any of their changes. I don't see any movement on the common side uh, on, this, uh, on this action of the Senate. I can't see it happening. So then the Senate did pass it. They passed it 46-32, and they said, nope, send it back to the other place. Send it back to the commons. Gerard Deltel, the conservative finance critic, says that he agrees with the Senate that increasing the federal tax on beer, wine, and spirits is a bad idea. Yes, uh, we do agree with the fact that uh, the escalator tax is a wrong tax. And more than ever, this is a clear indication that the government shall backtrack on that. Unfortunately, they're not going to. They're not going to. Now, there is a long-standing tradition in our parliamentary Westminster system, which, as I said, I don't think Justin Trudeau appreciates, understands, or likes that taxation levels are decided by the elected chamber. Money bills, the Senate doesn't touch. Any other legislation, they're free to amend, although the Commons throws a hissy fit every time the Senate amends any bill. But the, with an appointed upper chamber, the standard is the elected chamber makes decisions on government spending, and the Senate doesn't touch them. But still, that doesn't mean that what the Trudeau government is doing is right. So conservative leader Andrew Scheer thinks the Senate's making a good case with its proposed change, removing the the automatic rise in the tax on beer, wines and spirits. He said that was a good idea. There is an important principle that the Senate has highlighted, and that is, you know, the the rights of the commons to uh, decide taxation levels each and every parliament, not one government making one decision to raise taxes in perpetuity. And that's really what the escalator clause is about. It's about this government trying to be unaccountable to future, uh, in future budgets and, and future votes in the House of Commons. And what happened? Well, the Senate passed its bill back to the Commons today and in a unanimous approval. I'm not even sure they did a recorded vote, but it was unanimous that the Commons send the budget bill back rejecting the amendments, which means the Senate has to decide, are they going to actually stick with their amendments and shove them back? Are they going to fight on this or are they just going to approve it? Tradition would say they accept the the will of the House of Commons. But on this one, they may want to fight. Justin Trudeau has called for senators to be more independent, to be less partisan. He created this beast. He wants this. I believe that we should have an elected Senate. At that point, they could send the bill back and say, get lost. Trudeau and the liberals are so, so convinced that making your Saturday night more expensive, that making your drink that you're having on your back deck right now more expensive is not an issue, that after 
proposing to send the budget bill back to the Senate with the escalator tax back in it. They announced they're going to rise for the summer at the end of this uh, this sitting today. So we'll see what the senators decide to do. I hope that they decide, no, you know what? You're not going to do this. We're going to have a fight on this point. And we're going to decide once and for all what the role of the Senate is. You can't tell us to be more empowered. You can't tell us to be more independent and then demand that we do what you say. This is an argument for an elected Senate, but it's also an argument for MPs actually knowing the role of the commons and installing an escalator tax that goes up every single year without the commons having to vote on it is not in our parliamentary tradition. It is wrong on so many levels beyond the fact that it hurts industry, it hurts jobs, it hurts your pocketbook. Right now, your pocketbook is being hurt with the beer, the wine that you're having with dinner, with the little shot of whiskey that you're going to have later tonight. All of that going to be more expensive because Justin Trudeau wants more of your money. But don't worry, he's told you that he's giving you a middle-class tax cut. As I've explained before, that middle-class tax cut for the average Canadian working full-time amounts to between $45 and $50 a year. And their tax increases, without including these latest ones, account for about $75 a year. You're behind before you even get a chance to get ahead with Justin Trudeau. Something to remember come 2019. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. We've got one heck of a show for you. Don't go away. Uh, we will be talking to the Squawk Fox. That's right. The Squawk Fox is going to join us to talk about the rising cost of of, uh, of food and how you can adjust to that. Uh, Tarek Fatal will join me to talk about an all-black graduation at U of T. That's right. Nobody else need apply. Nobody else can show up. Tarek Fatal will join us on that. He is, uh, of course, a a regular columnist for the Toronto Sun, someone of color himself, and he is appalled by this. We'll check in with Fran uh, Coombs from Rasmussen Reports on what's going on with Donald Trump in the polls. The latest numbers for Kathleen Wynne, new numbers out just this afternoon. We'll bring you those and the Angus Reid Institute. And, of course, make sure that you stick around throughout the rest of the program. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. If you're watching on Facebook, Facebook Live, join us for the rest of the program, CFRA.com, or on the iHeartRadio app. Hello to Ian, hello to Barb watching, hello to Alan in Pembroke. Back after this. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Ryan Lilly's Five Things You Need to Know. Of course, the top thing you need to know, Justin Trudeau wants to make your life more expensive. That's why he put an escalator tax in. That's why he will eventually tax Netflix. He won't call it a Netflix tax, but he never promised that he would increase the tax on booze by 2% each and every year. Gerard Deltel, the conservative finance critic, says the Senate uh, was on the right track in trying to smack down that tax. Yes, uh, we do agree with the fact that uh, the escalator tax is a wrong tax. And more than ever, this is a clear indication that the government shall backtrack on that. 
And, of course, they didn't. So we'll see where this fight ends up. Story number two that you need to know. I was talking with uh, Phil Gursky last night, uh, security analyst, uh, president, CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Assessment. And I was saying, Phil, you know, we, we don't even get the London attack out of the news cycle. And then there's the attack in Paris. Then there's the attack in Brussels. Today there's an attack in Flint, Michigan. Flint, Michigan, and there's a Canadian connection as well. So the FBI has a man in custody after this man stabbed a police officer at the Flint airport. They're identifying him as 50-year-old Amor Fatui. The FBI says the incident at Bishop International Airport is being investigated as an act of terrorism and special agent in charge, David Jellio says the suspect spoke with investigators once he was actually in custody. He was cooperative and uh, has talked to us uh, about what his motivations were. And uh, I think it's suffice it to say uh, he, he has a hatred for the United States and a variety of other things, which uh, in part motivated him towards coming to the airport today uh, to conduct this act of violence. And there were uh, some raids in Montreal today, including at an apartment uh, just off the Pinot area, if you're not familiar with Pinot, you might be familiar with the Botanical Gardens in Montreal. Not far from there, Public Safety Canada called the incident a heinous, cowardly act. Canadian law enforcement agencies say they're in touch with the U.S. counterparts, assisting in every possible way. No kidding. The RCMP and the Montreal police are, you know, part of what's going on there. Story number three that you need to know about. It happened in Ottawa today. We're continuing to deal with the opioid issue. We're continuing to deal with questions of how to deal with kids and opioids as we head into festival season, as we grad and prom season, bush parties, as we saw with the accident earlier this week. Well, Ottawa police say they've made a major drug bust. Three men and a woman, all in their 20s, have been arrested Following an eight-month-long investigation, all of them are facing a variety of drug and weapons charges. They seized a pill press capable of producing 20,000 counterfeit pills an hour. Drug Unit Sergeant Rick Carey says there was enough material there to make an awful lot of pills. The potential there to produce about 600,000 pills with this equipment, that could have had a a major effect on, uh, on the summer season coming into Ottawa. Guns and ammunition were also found. Police say two other men still wanted in this attack. Story number four you need to know about. We have talked about this before. Sears Canada, they're in trouble. Well, now Don Kelly with the Canadian Press says the stock plunged this morning following news reports. Uh, They're not just looking for options now. They are looking towards bankruptcy. Shares in the struggling retailer fell 25% to 60 cents on the Toronto stock market. The stock had already declined from $1.14 back on June 12th prior to the company issuing a warning that there was significant doubt about its future and that it could be sold or restructured. Sears Canada has not immediately commented on the article by Bloomberg that says the retailer is preparing for a court filing or liquidation. Don Kelly, the Canadian Press, Toronto. And the last story that you need to know about will update you throughout the evening. It's the NHL Awards tonight in Viva Las Vegas! Lots of senators up for awards, and also, of course, the expansion draft is part of the proceedings tonight. So we will check in with 
hockey expert extraordinaire Stephen Ellsworth, who he's not really going to be pushing buttons. In fact, I'm going to sound awful throughout the show beginning at 8 p.m. because he's just going to be watching the TV. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back after this. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Get some FaceTime with Brian. Join the resistance at Facebook.com slash 580CFRA. All right, so I just saw Matt Harris, producer of The Morning Rush. We'll talk to him later in the program, but he comes in wearing cargo shorts, wearing pink cargo shorts. And uh, it's like, pink? I, I could not pull off pink shorts, but Matt can. Good for him. But I also said, hey, they're cargo shorts. You know, I love them. Apparently women hate them. So, of course, Matt, being the social media butterfly, tweets out a picture of cargo shorts right right away and says, Brian Lilly says women hate cargo shorts on men. Is this a thing? I keep hearing it in pop culture. This is why I say it. Like, constant complaints that men are always in cargo shorts. But they are the most comfortable, most practical thing you can wear. Women wear yoga pants everywhere. I say, doesn't matter what they think, we should just wear our cargo shorts. Okay, they look better in yoga pants than we do in cargo shorts. Maybe I need to rethink my argument. Here's something that we can all agree on. If food is getting more expensive, then we need to find ways to save. We need to find ways to still eat a good and healthy diet, feed ourselves, feed our families, whatever your situation is without sacrificing. But how do you do that? You heard this study out the other day. Sylvain Charlebois from Dalhousie University putting out their estimated change in food prices saying meat could go up 7 to 9% this year. We're just hitting barbecue season. Meat's going up. That's bad. Uh, fish and seafood up 1 to 3. Fruits and nuts 3 to 5%. Vegetables 2 to 4%. Overall, a hike in your grocery bill of 3 to 4%. Lots of people aren't getting raises of 3 to 4%. So how do you manage this? How do you cope? How do you economize? The other day I walked into an independent. I have this bad habit of always walking through the meat section looking to see if they have anything on sale, even if I'm not in there for meat. I saw chickens. They were in packages two for one. Essentially two chickens for seven bucks. How could you pass that up? Well, that's just my idea. Let's see if... We can find more. Carrie is um, uh, the Squawk Fox is uh, what she goes by. And uh, she joins us now uh, on the line. Carrie Taylor, thanks for the time tonight. Oh, my pleasure. I'm, I'm all for pink cargo pants, by the way. You're all for pink cargo pants? <laughs> yes. Pants or shorts? Cool. See, so Don't care. My, my skin tone, you know, like I, I'm, I'm pasty and I go pink. So wearing pink shorts, <laughs> it's like I'm just not going to look good. Let's talk about the issue of food, though. Um, yes. This is, uh, you, you write for the Globe and Mail. You appear in various broadcast outlets. You mm-hmm. run your own blog at squawkfox.com. What is it that, that people can do? What are some practical tips they can do to economize on their food budget so that they're still eating healthy and not just turning to potatoes and pasta and still feed their families? Well, this is a problem, right? Because eating is an expensive habit. And if you have a family, you need to fuel people. So it's, it's a real challenge when prices go up and our incomes are stagnant, as you said. 
But um, but meat's the big one hitting hitting the news waves because that kind of um, increase is is really tough um, for families to afford. So I've got some tips here. So I think the first one is um, avoid the middle meats. So if you're kind of a tenderloin person, you're going to be paying a premium because these are really popular cuts. So expensive cuts are like porterhouse, T-bone, New York strip. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're really expensive. So if you skip those cuts and you go for, um, in beef, if you look for chuck or sirloin steaks, in uh, lamb, look for shoulder chops, you're going to save potentially you know, 10 15% because these cuts are less popular. But I would argue that they're more tasty because they've got a little bit more marbling. And while you do have to spend a bit more time cooking them at a lower temperature, um, I think uh, the benefit is all there because you get your protein. Well, you know, sometimes you just have to even, as you say, change the way that you cook. Maybe you don't grill them right away. Maybe you braise them. You cook them. um, I was interviewing a chef from Chateau Montebello, beautiful resort just across the, the way here. And he said, I cook everything, Brian, low and slow. Yes. Which is what you have to do for that, those those lower end cuts of meat. Exactly. And and that's where you save the money. So um, the other, other tip I have is I used to live on a farm. I lived on an organic cattle ranch. And what we did is we sold um, whole animals to people. So you could buy a half or a whole. And that was a huge cost savings because you cut out the middleman and you're able to choose your own cuts. So um, I've noticed in some wholesale stores, they sell whole lambs, um, and you can pick up in, in rural areas, drive out, you can get sheep or cattle, pigs, you know, you name it. There's a side of animal for you, and you stick it in your freezer and keep it for, for longer term. So, um, so but you just need the space to do that. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you need the space, and you need the the, the size of family to, to eat that. Now, I, I do see some butcher shops will offer, uh, you know, a, a box of assorted cuts. I never find those to be a particularly good deal. But going okay. in, as you say, and buying a, a quarter cow or a half cow or, a you know, lamb pig, yeah, whatever, you, that, that can, can be a savings? Absolutely, um, because you cut out the middleman. So, I mean, you can save as much as 25, 30, 40 percent on, on your year's worth of supply of meat. And again, it depends on the kind of animal. Some are organic, some are um, grain-fed. So it really depends on what, what you're shopping around for. But uh, those are the main ways to save on, um, you know, meat. I mean, there's always uh, shopping the sales as you do with your chickens. So I think it's awesome that you're, you know, cruising around the no-frills, um, you know, checking out the meat department because that's what you have to do. Another great tactic is there's a lot of digital flyer apps now on the market. Um, and what those do is they combine all the sales for that week. And if you enter chicken or beef, it's going to come up and return all the best sales in your location. Hold on. There's a graphically an... target. I hate to sound like a Luddite, but there's an app for that. There's an app for that. Absolutely. There's several apps, <gasps> grocery flyer apps, and they, they digitize and take all these flyers. So you don't have to go through all the flyers every week. You just can search even, you know, toilet paper or, you know, kids gear and it'll come up. So there's savings on more than meat possible. Um, but yeah, I think that's a huge benefit because then you can go around town and, and pick and shop at the places that have the best price for your budget. That's fantastic. I was speaking with uh, with Carrie Taylor. She is the Squawk Fox. You can follow her on social media for budgeting tips, money tips. Uh, you can check out her blog as well. Uh, Carrie, I, the other thing that's going up quite a bit, fruit and nuts, 3 to 5%, yeah. uh, and vegetables, 2 to 4%. 
Yeah, I can Tasty go produce. in. Yeah, and, and I don't mind going in and, and you see a, a label on a, a piece of meat that says 30 or 50% off it. It's the fr- uh, eat or today or freeze sticker. And I'm fine with that because mm-hmm. I can judge. But produce, if it's not fresh, it's not good. And, and it tastes awful. So do you have tips for produce? Yes. I have absolute. So for, for tips for produce when it's in season, skip the banner grocery stores and check out the discounters. I did a story a number of years ago for Money Sense where I went in and compared like 50 pieces of produce um, at both uh, a discounter and a banner store. And I went across the city and I did this. And I found that on average, the prices at the discounter were 40% less. And it was the exact same produce in the exact same grade. So you're going to save substantially by just opting for, you know, a non-banner grocer on fruits, vegetables, nuts. Um, That's a huge savings. And when um, fruits and vegetables are out of season, Head up, um, head into the uh, the, the uh, frozen section because you can buy bags of broccoli, bags of cauliflower. I mean, we can never forget the cauliflower crisis two years ago. Yeah, and you can substantial savings, um, at least thirty percent over um, the stuff on the shelves. And the benefit of frozen is that it's flash frozen at its peak, so you're going to get fruits and vegetables at the height of their health, deliciousness, flavor, full nutrients. You know, and you're not going to waste that food because you're not going to um, throw out the whole head of, of uh, broccoli, right? You're going to refreeze what's left in the freezer. So you're going to cut on food waste. So that's a huge thing, too. Canadians waste about $1,800 worth of food a year per family. We're like trash-tastic. We just garbage our groceries like, you know, food is plentiful. But I think if Canadians sat back and looked at how much food they were wasting by creating um, uh, a food waste diary and looking at like what's being thrown out, what the kids are throwing out, what's rotting in the back of your fridge. It really opens your eye to how much you can save because basically a lot of this is just going into our compost. And um, that's a huge savings. You can save up to 25% of your total grocery haul just by not throwing it in the garbage. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, Carrie, thank- well, it sounds funny, but we do it. <laughs> Thanks so much for the time tonight. Carrie K. Taylor, she is uh, the Squawk Fox. You can follow her on social media. You can uh, give us the website at squawkfox.com. Yeah, that's me. All right. So you can check her out there, get some more economizing tips. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Tarek Fatah, Toronto Sun columnist, will join us next back after this. In a world gone mad, there must be resistance. You're listening to Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. His latest column is headlined Manufacturing Victimhood at the University of Toronto. And Tarek Fatah speaks about a... Something I never thought I would see in my lifetime. I thought these were the things of the history books. Unfortunately, it's not the case. What's he writing about? He's writing about a convocation ceremony that's happening at the University of Toronto for black students only. Tarek joins me now on the line. Tarek, uh, <laughs> how, do I, how do I comprehend 
that this is happening now and not 20 years before my birth? Well, uh, I think life has become pretty dumb and easy for young people since the fall of the Berlin Wall because identities are now not based on what you think or what you contribute. Your identity is simply based on uh, skin color or uh, inherited tribal. Uh, so one is usually heard saying, I'm proud of being, say, German or whatever, or Indian or Chinese. What the hell have you got to do with it? I mean, you, you did nothing to be one or the other. But it's another level of depravity which says that I'm going to cash my victimhood and become a star. So these two women, uh, in which, after I studied it further, found, uh, hello, hello, a typical uh, Islamist penetration into the black movement. So one of the organizers also organizes black Muslim women's outings. So even within the Muslim community, this UFT student goes out and selects uh, people based on their skin color. And that's considered very cool. Like, uh, uh, so I, I would guess now we're going to have a Hungarian um, convocation and then... Um, well, if I said tomorrow let's have a convocation for white students only, what would the reaction be? In the Toronto well, Red Star. I mean, the Toronto Red Star ran a, a very approving piece on it's this. A, it's a Taliban star. Okay. You're going further star. than me. No, no. For To be read, you need to read a book called Das Capital. It's three volumes written by Karl Marx and Angels. And I doubt any leftist today has any idea. I mean, as I wrote in my column, we, we felt connected whether it was... The, Soviet tanks crushing the Prague Spring or, you know, the Vietnamese War. We, we felt as young people, as teenagers, as part of a universal identity where all of us were part of the same human family. And now you've got some of the most prosperous um, uh, folks in the quote-unquote people of color movement who say, well, I need to do something to get famous without having done anything. You know, I, I look at this, and, and you write about Martin Luther King in your column. You write about W.E. Du Bois. I, I, I wonder if these folks even, they would have obviously heard of Martin Luther King, but have they heard of W.E. Du Bois? Have they heard of Booker T. Washington? Well, have they, they heard of Frederick them, Douglass? NWACP was founded by white people. I mean, so, but Martin Luther slavery King. was abolished. You know, this is ridiculous what's happening in Canada. And there's now under Mr. Trudeau in, in, an infatuation with incompetence that comes with exotic ethnicity. So you've got to be an Afghan born uh, or perhaps Iranian born <laughs> minister was... that will rewrite the constitution of this country. Your foreign minister represents. Uh, uh, Ukraine, your defense minister represents Khalistan, uh, your uh, 
citizenship minister represents Turkey. Then you've got two Iranian government representatives and two Pakistani ISI uh, favorites in his caucus. So what are you going to do with Canada? Cut it up into tiny pieces? I don't it's like that idea. But I, 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 to back to the central issue, speaking with Tarek Fatah, longtime columnist with the Toronto Sun, uh, media pundit, uh, we're talking about these two black women in Toronto who have decided to, to organize a black student-only convocation. Tarek, as I said, you mentioned uh, Martin Luther King in your column. And he said in his I Have a Dream speech, the most famous speech of the 1960s civil rights movement, right. that he dreamt of a day when his four little children would be judged not by the color of their skin but the content of their character. Yep. Have we completely thrown away Martin Luther King's dream? We haven't. A segment of the uh, dumb uh, uh, multi-culti elite has, uh, who've never read anything in their lives. Um, And you will find it very interesting that it's only students of social sciences, you know, some of the easiest subjects that you can run into in the university, like, quote-unquote, women's studies, you know, those are the folks who are coming up with this nonsense. You won't have somebody who's a biochemistry graduate who's studying engineering to come up with this stupidity. You don't have a medicine student saying, hmm, I just want to study the livers of black people. Or no, I'm going to study kidneys of Chinese people. What outrageous <laughs> bullshit nonsense is going on in our universities? Can we get front page for that? That I couldn't tell you. Tarek, thanks for exposing the idiocy for what it is. Thanks for the time tonight. You take care, sir. All right, Tarek Fatah, I'll tweet out his column during the news break. And uh, and now that he's back in Canada, it survived, a, you know, he, he was threatened with assassination while he was off in India. Glad to have him back. We'll have him on again soon. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Some days, the resistance verges on rebellion. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. All right. Yeah, the next half hour, it's the half hour of the pollsters because we're going to touch on U.S. politics with Fran Coombs from Rasmussen Reports up next. And then uh, Shachi Curl from the um, Angus Reid Institute after that on they, they've released their latest uh, rundown of which premiers are doing great. How do you think? How do you think that Kathleen Wynn's doing here in Ontario? You want to stick around for that. But right now, let's go to uh, Fran Coombs, managing editor at Rasmussen Reports. And Fran, you got, you and I have talked many times about your daily tracking poll, and I know that it made headlines earlier this week or late last week because Donald Trump was up at 50% support. Where is he today? He's dropped a little bit, hasn't he? Yeah, he's dropped back down into the mid-40s. Uh, but the important thing on this, Brian, as you and I have discussed many times, this is a tracking poll. So we, it's based on 1,500 respondents, and we add 500 new ones every night. So in other words, right now we're polling 500 more people. That'll tack on, and the, the oldest 500 will drop off. So it really 
gives people it really this poll really has to my mind has its finger on the pulse of the american public and, and so they have gone up and down over the last little while and you know when barack obama was in he went up and down by the time he was leaving when he was a lame duck he was i think he left office and you guys had him what 60 62 percent support so yeah the president's doing a great job he's leaving uh right but you know well, he, yeah, his, his numbers definitely went up in the closing months of his presidency, even as his policies were universally disliked by most people. But he, man, but he, he had himself, his downtimes as well, like, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, most of his presidency, uh, he had numbers like this, like Trump had. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's no surprise on this. I mean, people are basically people don't they don't like the guy who's the president from the other party. So, I mean, Republicans right now. Love Trump, hated Obama, and vice versa. Democrats loved Obama, they hate Trump now. All right, well, I want to tie that into the special elections in a moment. But uh, before we get to that, there's a couple of special elections last night, including with um, in Georgia and South Carolina. And, and you know, once again, the Republicans you know, took them, even though we were told that definitely wouldn't happen. But there's been this barrage of stories for months against Donald Trump, and almost all of them, come with anonymous sources. And you guys did a poll. You asked people about anonymous sources, and it's just 20% of likely voters believe most news stories that are based on uh, anonymous sources. They, they, they don't like them. 52% say they see anonymous sources. They just won't believe it. Right, and I think right now, as you know, as our polling has shown, and I'm sure you've seen elsewhere, the, the media in this country has a huge credibility problem. Uh, so when they're relying on when they tack on anonymous sources, uh, it just kills it. I mean, I've been in the, I've been in the news business for decades, Brian, and I mean, we at newspapers historically, we really made an effort not to use anonymous sources. Uh, I mean, because we knew that readers would question the the validity of the story. You know, I, I think there is a time and a place for them, but I think that the media and 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 this is not just in the Washington swamp; it happens here as well. You know, sometimes you are, you know, covering a horrific accident and somebody that's going to tell you about the victim doesn't want their name used. That's one thing. But you've got all the official elements and the official quotes in place. Or there's one person that doesn't want to speak on a political story, but you've got quotes from others that are backing up what they say. That I understand. But when the entire story is based on anonymous sources, I no longer buy it. And and, and I say that as a member of the media. Right, and especially since so many of these stories have been discredited too, Brian. I mean, that's the problem. I mean, that. I mean, if if these stories were systematically proving to be true, then I think it, that would that would the, the people using anonymous sources would benefit from that. But so many of these stories are turning out to be totally phony. I want to ask you about the uh, the special elections last night? Uh, there was one in South Carolina, but there was also one in Georgia. We call them by elections here. You guys call them special elections. The one in Georgia was to replace Tom. Price, who left Congress to go and be the Secretary of um, Housing and Human Urban Development. Uh, I forget who South Carolina was replacing, but these are hotly contested, don't always mean a lot. But the one in Georgia, my word, uh, Fran, uh, $53 million, millions upon millions pushed in, especially from the Democrat side to try and take a seat that's been a Republican for 38 years. Does it say anything that the Republicans held both, despite what we keep being told is the unpopularity of Donald Trump? 
Well, it's interesting, particularly in Georgia, the, the, the woman who ran and won, who we were told was losing, by the polls were saying was losing and was barely hanging, had come back into a tie right before the election. She ended up winning by four or five points. She had embraced Trump, uh, thanked him personally last night in her victory speech. Uh, but the best analysis I heard of these elections, I heard it earlier today, Brian, was that basically voters don't dislike, apparently don't dislike Trump nearly as much as the media does. <laughs> that that can be a thing. I think we saw that here with Stephen Harper uh, and the conservatives when they were in. Media loathed him outside of the editorial writers. Uh, you know, the Daily Reporters loathed him, and he won a majority government in the middle of a nasty election. So uh, can't say it'll go that great for Trump next time if this keeps up. It eventually wore on, on Stephen Harper as well. Uh, speaking with Fran Coombs, managing editor at Rasmussen Reports. Uh, Fran, we've been dealing with an issue that has been front and center in your politics for a long time an increase in illegal immigration or irregular asylum seekers, as I, I guess some people are calling them now. We've got people literally <laughs> crossing the border from Minnesota into Manitoba, from the Adirondacks of New York State into Quebec. As I always say, you don't flee from the Adirondacks. You flee to them in the summer. It's God's country. But they're coming across <laughs> saying, I'm a refugee. You guys have right. a poll saying voters say it's easier to stay in the U.S. illegally than other countries. Don't they know that they can come to Canada, all of them? Right. Well, apparently, I mean, I guess that's the coming thing, Brian. Lucky you. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, I think for a long time, I mean, we've ha- I've had arguments and discussions with people for years, and it seems like as far as the global community is concerned, the United States is the only country that's not allowed to police its borders. Uh, I mean, it's like people are outraged if we try to stop illegal immigration from Mexico. But meanwhile, don't try to be an illegal immigrant in Mexico. Uh, it's, I mean, these most countries are, are pretty tough on people trying to get into their country illegally. But so this basically just measured the fact that Americans, generally speaking, feel it's a lot easier to get into this country than other countries, and it's a lot easier to stay here illegally than it is in other countries. Well, unfortunately, I think that uh, our guys have decided to follow suit. They think that's a good policy, and uh, our prime minister is welcoming them with open arms. The RCMP is helping people with their bags across the border as they uh, they show up. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Fran, thanks so much for the time tonight. Always a pleasure, Brian. Fran Coombs from Rasmussen Reports. If it's in the news, it's in their polls. Do check them out. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Chachi Curl. Will join us next. She is with the Angus Reid Institute. How badly is Kathleen Wynn doing these days? Oh, you're going to like this. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. If you're in the majority in Ontario and don't think that Kathleen Wynne should be premier after the next election, then um, I have some bad news for you. The latest poll on her performance sees a dramatic increase for Kathleen Wynne. As they said in the last U.S. election cycle, both Bernie and the Donald, this increase is huge. 
huge. She is increasing her approval rating by a full 25%. She's gone from 12% support, 12% of people think she's doing a good job, up to 15%. Let's get the woman behind the poll on the phone right now. Shachi Curl joins me from Vancouver with the Angus Reid Institute. And it's their regular, is this, this is a quarterly performance report that you guys do? This is a quarter. You uh, can I just stop and say that you are the showman of all showmen, Brian. Like, <laughs> w- w- way to sell that thing! My goodness, it's huge. Uh, well, or it's within the margin of error. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, if, if you're in the liberal war room, you're not celebrating. But um, you know, we... so you're not you're not crying any harder than you have been either. <laughs> Uh, well, and we can get a bit more into provincial politics in a minute. Uh, you know, I do know that out in uh, Saskatchewan, that's still the most popular premier. Brad Wall's at 45 percent support. But yeah. they're Seven worried about that in the last three months. Seven points slide in the last. I remember months. when he used to be at 60, 61 percent. Now I he's remember down when at he 45. was at 70 percent. Oh, that I don't recall. But yeah, that was back in the day. Him and Danny Williams. Remember him? Oh, yeah. So, but, you know, things can change in politics. And and so out in um, the, the land of the Sask Party, they're sweating because Wall's down at 45 percent. Well, Kathleen Wynne is bouncing up to 15. I mean, they, they, they maybe they're doing some high fives at the Liberal Party war room. I don't know. Look, uh, bad news uh, is, you know, it it comes in different forms, and good news is sometimes the equivalent of not bad news. Uh, You call it a bounce or a bump. I call it baby steps. Remember, she was at 12% approval three months ago. And you and I have watched provincial politicians come and go over the years with approval ratings at at twice that, frankly. I mean, I remember uh, back uh, when Premier Dunderdale resigned in in Newfoundland, and I think at the time her approval was at something like 25%. So it's all relative. A couple of different things happening here. First of all, in Ontario, no matter how bad it's gotten, uh, Kathleen Wynne could have tracked down three more points and been into single-digit territory. I don't know that she could have survived that. Uh, instead, she's tracked up three points. I mean, th- these are still basement approval levels. Let's not sugarcoat that in any way. Uh, but certainly, uh, as trend lines go, they'll take the tick upward over the tick downward. That's the first thing. The second thing is that um, her caucus the rank and file of the party, the fundraisers, the backroom folks, the folks in the war room that you were talking about have not really openly started calling in a very hostile way for her but ouster. You there, know, was a, there was a little bit of murmurings of that for a bit. Sure. And then, it, sure. And then boom, clamp down. She's not going anywhere. Everyone stay on message. That's right. And so what that says to me is even if there are murmurings, they were able to lock that down. They were able to walk that back. And for the most part, to this point, that, you know, no one's really sort of deviating from that message and they're not going rogue. So is this simply, you know, going to buy her some more time until the next election, at which point, you know, the inevitable takes over if if, uh, she can't turn her fortunes around in the next uh, election campaign? Maybe. Uh, Is this a case of, hey, everyone, just let me continue to take all the bad heat and the bad energy, and then I'll get out of here. You can elect a new leader uh, and off to the races you go. Or is this, hey, we actually see the beginnings of a turnaround here. We think we can do this because 
look at the other guys. Look at what's going on with Patrick Brown and the conservatives. Let's look at what's going on with Andrea Horwath and the NDP. There, there are a lot of different factors at play here. And, and we'll talk about Patrick Brown and, and the discord in his party. He's not able to keep people together because he's annoying them. But one of the things that you point to is that wins rebound comes as, and as you say, this could be within the margin of error, but it does come just after they they brought in rent control, increased minimum wage, the basic income pilot project, a whole bunch of things aimed at increase in daycare funding, a bunch of things, economic measures, pocketbook issues aimed at specific demographics that they think can make up a winning coalition for them. Yes. And the big question uh, early on was what was going to happen with those hydro rollbacks? Were we going to see people feeling very cynical about it? Oh, you know, here you go. You're trying to you're trying to, you know, buy us back with our own with our own money or, or, or sort of cynical comments to that effect, or would it actually have a difference? Because let's face it, when it comes to kitchen table expenses, minimum household expenses, hydro is a huge one. So you give some people some relief from their hydro bills, will they respond positively? Well, it's a tiny little bit of favorable response. Uh, it's not huge, but again, it's it's certainly not going the other way. And so, uh, has she managed to at least uh, uh, stop the slide? Has she managed to stabilize things a little bit? Yes, uh, clearly, uh, this quarter, this wave of data would tell us that that's the case. But of course, you can't draw too many long-term conclusions from a single data point. That's what I always say. We need to look at what's happening three months from now, six months from now, nine months from now, at which and, point and then we a year will from be now, into election yeah. season. Yeah. I, I think the election is about a year from, I think it would be a year this past Monday. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. Speaking with uh, Shanchi Curl from the Angus Reid Institute about the latest uh, performance review for premiers coast to coast. Uh, it goes from Brad Wall at a high of 45 percent in Saskatchewan. Manitoba's Brian Palliser at 41 uh, percent. Christy Clark narrowly winning uh, kind of. In BC recently, 34% support, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Uh, we'll see. Then uh, we've got Brian Gallant in New Brunswick, 33. We've got Philip Cuillard in Quebec, 32. Stephen McNeil in Nova Scotia, 32. Rachel Notley, 28. Uh, Ball? I don't know Ball's first name. I have to look that Dwight. up. Dwight Ball. It's Dwight, yes. And it looks like most Newfoundlanders don't know his name either. He's got 28% support. But in the basement... Yelling, please let me up to the big kids' table is Kathleen. Hey, and Wynn. he he was in the low twenties, you know, three months ago. So yeah, he'll he take it. he's up eight percent. So yeah. um, the the polling industry, uh, there's a lot of you. I know that sometimes you guys will agree on tactics, sometimes not. And I, I tend not to throw out competitors' information at pollsters as I'm talking to them because you know commenting on somebody else's work, uh, but. There's some polls, including one out yesterday, show the PCs riding very high. They could have a huge majority after the next election. Mm -hmm. And I always say a year is a long time in politics. These are snapshots in time, as the pollster's favorite term, snapshot in time. Patrick Brown and and his team, as they are facing infighting, can't be too cocky, too confident right now with a year to go, can they? No, like a, a year to go, it's it's not just a long time, it's a lifetime. So here's where numbers such as the, the numbers that you're quoting uh, can make a difference. They can make a difference in terms of 
people feeling excited about signing up as members or signing up as, as early volunteers for a campaign. It makes a big difference to donors. If you are somebody who wants to make a donation to a party, you want to see some evidence that, that your money won't be wasted, that your party actually has a chance of, uh, of forming government. So that's where numbers like that can be helpful. They can be meaningful. Are they uh, an indication of how things are going to play out a year from now? from now? No, not at all. Campaigns matter in a way that they didn't matter 10 years ago, five years ago, five months ago. Uh, the, the electorate, and you've heard pollsters say this before because it's true, the electorate is very volatile. It's more volatile than it's ever been at any time. We've seen that in Europe. We've seen that in other places where we expect people to zig and they zag instead. Just saw that in the U.K. And so um, uh, I would say I, I, I enjoy the moment. I don't know what you're talking moment. about. Theresa May won by 20 points. That's, may, well, that's what the polls said at the opening. Well, it was a campaign full of, of errors uh, by Theresa May. And so, you know, you can't quote something four weeks ago. Oh, I, I, like, I from, completely from four understand. Weeks ago and then watch things unravel and say, well, four weeks ago, well, four weeks ago she hadn't screwed up a whole bunch, right? So Exactly. Shashi, thanks so much for the time. <laughs> My pleasure, Brian. Take care. Sachi Curl from the Angus Reid Institute joining us tonight. Kathleen Wynn, 15% approval rating. That means 15 out of every 100 people you meet like the jobs you're doing. I'd like to know who they are. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Why do hipsters like Matt Harris wear beards? I'm going to bug him about that next. We'll also talk about the NHL awards. And has anything uh, impressive happened in this expansion draft? Let's check into that next. Below, beyond the news. To you, he's rebellious. To official Ottawa, he's disdainfully insubordinate. You're listening to Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Gavin, your face is different. What happened to your face sweater? I was portraying a young man in a movie based on my book, Death the Cool. So I shaved my beard and I dyed my hair. And it was one of the worst mistakes I've ever made because I haven't not had a beard in about a decade. I didn't know I was so ugly. That is the godfather (laughs) of hipsterdom, Gavin McInnes, Ottawa. Not sure anyone in Ottawa wants to claim him other than his parents, uh, Jim and Lorraine. But, um, you know, he is uh, he's an Ottawa boy and... um, that was him on uh, the, the Blaze with Dana Lash. Uh, two great people. I saw Gavin on the weekend. I was down in Toronto for the Rebel Live event. And I, I, I left Friday night after the show. I get into the hotel in Toronto at quarter to two in the morning. And I'm checking in. And I can hear loud, rowdy people over at the bar. And I think it's got to be Gavin. And I look over and there's this hipster guy. With the hipster beard. And if you you know what I'm talking about, these guys with the beards that are showing their individuality by embracing complete uniformity, <laughs> those are the guys. Matt Harris is in studio Hi. with me laughing because I'm going to mock him about his beard in a minute and ask him about it. But I, I look over and I think, well, maybe that's Gavin. It, oh, no, he's lost a ton of weight, like unhealthy amount. Oh. So I walk over to the bar afterwards. It wasn't Gavin. It was just some other random hipster dude that looked exactly like him. But I turned the corner, and there was Gavin drinking with his brother Kyle. So 
got to chat with them. But I, I turned to Matt uh, just yesterday and I said, Matt, what is it about hipsters in the beard? It's like a uniform. And not that I dislike it. I love beards. Okay. Sported one for years. But what is it with this full, you know, lumberjack I'm Amish. Maybe I'm, you know, secretly converting to Islam. I, I don't know what the beard is all about. So mine just started as kind of a like, let's see how long I can go without shaving. And a couple days turned into a couple weeks, turned into a couple months. And all of a sudden it was like almost a year. And then finally I had to trim it up and clean it up a bit. But a year? I went almost a year without shaving. Or okay. without, I trimmed the beard once about six or seven months in. And so in a year. I, I would guess that just to get food in your mouth, you'd have to trim the mustache now and again. Exactly. Yeah, because unless you want to wax the mustache and then curl it up. Okay, so Dana that but, I played you know, yeah. chatting with Gavin there, her husband, Chris. Okay. Chris Lesh has a huge righteous beard. Last time I saw him was down in Washington. He had this – he had the whole wax thing going on. Sure. I You know, I can grow a beard in five days, but – I'm not sure about pulling this off. It takes a lot of patience. My biggest problem, though, is I have a bald spot on my chin. So for about the first two months, I looked ridiculous. <laughs> if the sun was coming in from the window, on your chin? seriously, I don't know why. But it, the beard's grown so much, you can't see it anymore. But for a couple months, I looked ridiculous. But the funny thing was, I get my hair cut just across the street here at uh, the Rideau Center. And uh, Trevor, who owns Warren Chase, told me, the beard is kind of going away. And he was trying to convince me he can't really grow that thing out anymore. You gotta, so he's trying you to gotta get it under to control. It. He wasn't telling me necessarily to shave it, or he kept going back. I could, I, I thought he was trying to get me to shave it. He's like, you gotta get it under control. You can't just. He told me the big crazy beards. You stop. You don't see them anymore, outside of a few uh, real hipster areas. But I guess the new wave of hipsters are getting rid of the beards. Uh, as long as we're not going back to man bun. I mean, there's there's a – I can be on board with the trend of beards. Okay. And uh, lots of women obviously are. You know, you've got a girlfriend. She yeah. doesn't hate the beard. No, she won't let me shave it off. Well, there you go. She'll let me trim it down, but she doesn't want it gone. You know why I got rid of my beard? Why? My daughters. Oh, they really? They used to scream – little girls would scream at me because I, I would, you know, grow a beard in the winter. Sure. I'd shave it in the summer. It's, it's too hot. Just shave and it was uh, spring of 2010, and around Victoria Day weekend, my youngest daughter is like, Daddy, shave off your beard, shave off your beard, shave off your beard. So I did, and then, boom, I got, you know, before I could even think about growing it back, I got signed on to a TV contract, and they said, no beard. No beards on TV. It, few people can, can carry it off. I just look dirty. <laughs> on TV with a beard. Was it patchy? Uh, no. No, okay. it, it comes in rather full if you're sitting looking at me. But on, on camera, you know, it's the red. And red hair is not uniform in color. Sure. So I have some hair that are uh, – some hair follicles. It, it's blonde. Some are red. Some are brown. Now an awful lot of gray. But it, it just – I look like I had a dirty face and there was no sense doing it. Yeah, they uh... – the first little bit is always tough. I actually am lucky that it grows pretty evenly other than that one random bald spot on my chin, like I was saying. But um, the first little bit is always the toughest part. Uh, and you are um, – you're 12. Okay, you're not 12. You can grow a beard. But sure. uh, you're 20 or something. Yeah, somewhere have, in the 20s. You have yeah. no gray hair. No, but you know what? I've had a few pop up in the beard. They're very easy to spot because my hair is very dark. It's almost black. 
And uh, that first gray hair stands out like speaking crazy. With, speaking with Matt Harris, uh, producer of The Morning <laughs> Rush, you hear him just referred to as The Beard. Yeah, thank you, Dean Bill Roberts, Carroll for that in the morning. So uh, we're just chatting about this. Why? Because to have fun. But why not? The uh, the NHL awards are on, and I know you had some theories, and we'll bring Elsie in, in, in on this as well. Um because you two are hockey nuts. Yeah. I don't know if you're as um, crazy as Ellsworth and Brian Fraser. I don't think I am. I don't think that's humanly possible. But it, the the board operator for my show and the morning show are – I don't know how to describe you guys, Stephen. You are both nuts about hockey, you and uh, Brian Fraser, so you know so much. Anything big happen so far um, in terms of – of what's going on with well, the uh, the expansion draft and anything else? Because I've been, you know, talking to people about politics and food and and beards. So sure. I haven't been paying attention. Well, so- speaking of beards, Brent Burns, the defenseman for the San Jose Sharks, just won the Norris Trophy for Defenseman of the Year, and in my opinion, just robbed Eric Carlson. Yeah, so he has a big. He's beard got a big like bushy yours. beard. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, he just won Defenseman of the Year, which I think is a ridiculous call because Eric Carlson, in my opinion. And I'm saying this is not a Sens fan. I think Eric Carlson is the yeah. best defenseman in the world. You're, you're a Leafs fan. I'm a Leafs fan. Yeah. And so that leaves a weird taste in my mouth to say that. But there's no doubt in my mind that Eric Carlson is the best defenseman in the world. I, I don't know if either of you saw the photo. The the Sun had it of Carlson going down there for the awards. And he's just sitting there in his cast I and saw some that, boat yeah. shoes, shorts, and a, you know. He's hobbling around. Yeah. Um, he looked relaxed about it all. Yeah. It's got to hurt, though. They showed him on TV just when they announced Burns, and yeah, he, yeah, with, he took it He took it well. Was he robbed, Elsie? Here's the thing. Last year, he was a point-of-game player, and Drew Doughty, out of the other two candidates, Eric Carlson and Brent Burns, didn't have as good offensive stats as Eric Carlson did, and he won. He didn't have the best playoff stats, not mind you. They don't take into account playoff success when it comes to these awards. But out of the three, he didn't have the offensive numbers. But because he was considered probably by a lot of people as the best uh, all-around defenseman, he won. That's why I think Eric Carlson should have won it this year. Instead, they gave it to the best offensive defenseman, which he was last year, <laughs> and he so, lost it for the same reason he should have won it last year. So he can't win for trying. Yeah, he can't win. Uh in terms of expansion, I'm not seeing a lot of names that I recognize so far no. that have been drafted by the Golden Knights. Are you keeping a tally in there, Stephen? Yeah, um, if if you want, I can uh, give you a selection as to yeah, who they give, took. Give us a rundown. They haven't taken anyone from the Senators yet. No, right? they're, okay. I think they're quite a bit away from that. Uh, here's what they have done. They have taken Calvin Pickard, a young goaltender out of Colorado. Um, out of Vancouver, they took defenseman Lucas Spiza, prospect Timo Polkanen from Arizona, John Merrill of the Devils, uh, William Carrier, prospect for the Sabres. They also got a six-rounder in 2017 from Buffalo. Uh, Dallas, they took Cody Eakin, uh, Tom Nosek uh, from the Detroit Red Wings, Jonathan Marchessault from the Panthers. They also got Riley Smith from the Panthers for a so, fourth-round pick, and Braden McNabb from the LA Kings. Are, That's are we ma- we're mainly looking at younger players right now? Yeah, for the most part. Okay. So, you know, this is the whole thing about Dion Phaneuf, Matt, is that the Sens asked him to waive his no-trade clause, no-move clause, whatever you want to call yes. it. And he said no, but getting a guy like Dion Phaneuf, uh, or even uh, Shane Doan, who was just put on waivers, yeah, um, 
you know, you, you want some of those experienced guys in your dressing room to help guide the other players, don't you? Sure, you're going to need somebody, and maybe that guy it's is... the way I guide you. Exactly. And, and we need a Brian Lilly on the team. Yeah, an old guy with a beer belly, and yeah. Um, I think they, they're going to take Marc-Andre Fleury as their goalie. So he's me the veteran guy, but you don't normally see a goalie be kind of like your leader, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to need somebody. But uh, rumor has it, because TSN is reporting, they're going to take Mark Mathot from the Ottawa Senators. Did you hear that? I have. That's what I have heard, yes. Okay. And How happy are you? Uh, not very. <laughs> <laughs> see, you're happy because he could go to... Yeah, so rumor has it that they're going to take him and then trade him to my favorite team, Toronto Maple Leafs, who need a defenseman. You know that uh, there's a cream for that. You yeah, know, being a Leafs uh, fan, you can it's topical cream. You rub it in, cures you. Yeah, it's been a tough lifetime. I, I've I've offered it to Stephen Harper <laughs> many times. He never took me up on it either. I don't know what it is about that team. I mean, now they're a little bit exciting, but for my entire life, they've pretty much sucked. Yeah, well, why am I not a hockey fan? Yeah, just you know, I I I watch the Sens passingly. Jump on the bandwagon, but why am I not like you guys day in day out? Because I grew up watching the Leafs when they were awful. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being a bandwagon fan, though. Well, no, but you, know, you get turned off of watching uh, dump and chase, and okay, we're down one nothing, therefore fight. Yeah, and that that used to be what the Leafs did. All right, we're down two goals, time to fight. That's all we're going to do. One of the best things the league has done is move away from the fighting, though. Isn't it? I uh, like the skill. I like the, the I, passing and the fast. I, I prefer the skill, the fast pace, and, and we saw some great plays like that in the uh, in the playoffs. You know, I, I'm not vehemently opposed to the fighting, but I don't want it to dominate the game like it's an AHL game. Sure. You know, because at that point, too much. Thanks for coming in. Hey, Matt. thanks. You got uh, you got. Well, before you go, did you uh, did you get any feedback on cargo shorts on Twitter? I did actually. Yeah, we asked, and now Magic One Hundred has just picked it up uh, off of our tweet, um, and they disagree. But okay, Brian, you told me that women hate cargo shorts. This because is what I, keep I am hearing. wearing cargo shorts right now. Now mine are pink, which is a whole other story. I was just at Starbucks. Girl working there said she loves the shorts. Okay. Okay. But well, on Shachi Curl from Angus Reed heard me talking about okay. it. He said she loves the idea of pink cargo shorts. I just said, you know, I'm pasty. My skin hue, I can't pull that yeah, off. Yeah, my skin's a little darker. Yeah. Not much, but a little. Uh, but general consensus on Twitter women hate cargo shorts. I didn't know this. Neither did I, but I'm going to keep wearing them because where else am I going to put my stuff? That's a good point. I love all, Look how convenient all these pockets are. Exactly. We even had Sarah Sameta from the CFRA newsroom say, you know what? Um, she doesn't like cargo shorts, but she'd be happy to share the pockets because women's clothes don't have enough. Okay. Good point. <laughs> Matt, thanks for coming in. He'll be back at it again tomorrow on Six the Morning o'clock. Rush with that other guy. That's Bill. Bill Carroll. That's his name. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back after this. Revolution starts with a rebel. Beyond the news with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA.
The week of bizarre little terrorist attacks all around the world now, it seems. Uh, it started off with a man plowing into a, a group of worshippers outside a mosque in London saying he wanted to kill all Muslims. That was the early morning hours Monday. Later on on Monday, we had a man drive a car into a police van and it exploded. He died. He was of the jihadi persuasion, trying to take out a French police car in Paris on the Champs-Élysées. Then there was the train station with another jihadi in Belgium. And then today, a police officer at the airport in Flinch, Flint, Michigan, was stabbed in the neck. And the guy is a, a Quebec man. Unfold. Uh, now this all started to unfold uh, late this morning, uh, just before 10 o'clock this morning. Uh, authorities say the suspect was in the bathroom at the airport, came out of the bathroom, uh, had a 12-inch knife that had an 8-inch serrated blade on it, uh, took that out of a bag and then approached uh, an officer at the airport and uh, started stabbing him. Just absolutely bizarre. Uh, they've done a, at least one, if not multiple, raids in Quebec uh, at the, the man's home in Montreal. It's in the, the Pinot area. As I said, it's out to the east end towards the Botanical Gardens in Montreal. Uh, just a bizarre story happening, and it adds to a bizarre week of small stories. Last I heard, it appears the officer is um, in stable condition. We hope that it stays that way. We hope that it uh, continues. And, of course, all of this happening after last week's shooting incident at the baseball stadium in Virginia, where Republican lawmakers were shot at. They were sitting ducks shot at by a man with an SKS rifle. Often heard it described as an assault rifle. That's not actually the case. There might be more lawmakers alive because he was shooting a cheap Russian SKS. I've shot them. They are not overly accurate, and that might be the reason some folks are alive today. So just a bizarre and violent week around the world. 521-TALK, 521-8255 is the number for the phones after we come back. And we'll continue, of course, to check in on this um, ongoing NHL awards saga and the expansion draft. But I'd love to hear your your thoughts when we come back. Uh, The big political stories we've talked about, the federal political stories, but also the local. And specifically the idea that on this multi-billion dollar LRT project. They somehow forgot to budget almost $5 million. $5 million to train the drivers on how to operate the thing. At some point, you've got to train the drivers. And and I'm sorry, that's going to cost money. This is a major train system. You want them to be trained properly, effectively, efficiently, Safely, you don't want someone driving that many people around on a big hunk of steel like that without knowing what they're doing. So that's going to cost money. And then to find out that they forgot to budget for the training. Can you actually believe that or you just roll your eyes and say, yep, City Hall, City Hall. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News, News Talk 580 CFRA. Call now. Phone lines are open. 521-TALK, 521-8255. Back after this.
insurgent. Believe it. The resistance is here. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. The, uh, the the NHL expansion draft getting interesting, and I'm sitting here checking out a bit of it, uh, eating a freezy. Yeah. If you hear me eating on air, it's because I'm a child, and I went to get fill up my water bottle. I decided I'd throw some ice in it from the freezer. There's a box of freezies in there. And so to whoever put the box of freezies in there, thank you, and I owe you an orangish-reddish one. It's freezy weather, folks. It's freezy weather. We will uh, keep an eye on the expansion draft, and uh, we will try and take whoever they take uh, grab from the Ottawa Senators. We'll try and take that live. So, Stephen, if you can keep a close eye on that. But I'd love to... Oh, you're right. This is not our property. We don't have rights to that. Okay, so we will... Uh, we'll just keep an eye on it. Let's put it that way. Uh, they have, uh, they've started to pick some older players to go on the, the Vegas Golden Knights, some guys in their, you know, 32, 34 age range to go with a lot of guys in their, their early twenties. So that's getting the experience they need and so on. So we'll figure out what they're doing with the, um, the Ottawa Senators and are they going to take Mark Mathot? We'll figure that out shortly. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility or 1-800-580-CFRA. I opened the show talking about the issue of this escalator tax. This is a tax that is going to increase the cost of your beer, your bottle of beer that you're going to sit down with tonight, your glass of wine you're going to sit down with tonight, your bourbon, your scotch, your beer, all of it going up by 2%, the tax increasing by 2% a year, the excise tax. That's never been done that I know of in Canada before. That's not part of our parliamentary system. And the Senate took it out. Trudeau and the Liberals put it back in, sent it back to the Senate today, a slap in the face to the, the Chamber of Sober Second Thought, saying, hold on a minute, that's not how you do things around here. Are you bothered by this, that... Every single year, the tax will go up automatically. They never have to vote on it again. They never have to claim that they're increasing taxes. Oh, no, it's just just the way it always is. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Maybe you want to call in on the expansion draft or beards or Kathleen Wynne being at 15%. Does that make you feel good? Are you worried that she's bounced back up from 12% support in the latest Angus Reid poll to 15% of people saying she's doing a good job? Are you the 1.5 people out of 10 that think Kathleen Wynne is doing a good job? I'd love to hear from you. 521-TALK, 521-8255. Holly in Ottawa, you're on Beyond the News. Oh, hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. I really enjoy your show. Thank you. Um. um I wanted to uh, just briefly say that uh, getting rid of um, Chris Neal was <laughs> stupid, and um, I mean uh, the coach, the coach, or uh, uh, the coach said, "Well, he wasn't, um, 
you know, he never got any ice time. Well, he didn't get any ice time because he never, he, you'd, you didn't play him. Yeah. You know? Um, and I can and, understand the business decision, but this is a guy with a lot of great connections to the community and, and well-loved in the community. Uh, uh, yes. The, the player? Yeah, Chris Neal is. Yeah, yes, Chris Neal, yeah. Indeed. Um, indeed. And now, and now he's going to be, I don't know where he's going to be, but... Um, um, I'm just so annoyed that um, the senators decided to get rid of him. I mean, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. You know? It is unfortunately a business at the end of the day, despite our emotions, and um, that was the business decision that that they decided to make. Well, it was a stupid decision. He he was an enforcer, and uh, when he played, when when the coach decided to play him, he, I think they played him maybe once or twice during during the playoffs, and um, All right. and you know, What's he, Harvey, I, I, go ahead, finish your thought. He was an enforcer, and our, the senators felt safe with him. And um, well, it, it's unfortunate, as I said, but a business decision at the end. Thanks for the call, Holly. Okay. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five. We get our emotions wrapped up in this, and at the end of the day, it is a business for these guys. Although I can tell some of the players coming out to be introduced as members of the Golden Knights now, they don't look too happy. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five. Let's go to Sue in Canada calling in about the, uh, the well the potential of a strike at the LCBO. Are you worried about it, Sue? Well, actually. Um not so much because it seems like the LCBO typically settles deadline midnight. If that's the deadline, it's like a minute two. Um, I, I don't. I don't think they've had a strike in decades, have they? Uh, not to my knowledge. But um, the whole thing that people seem to, I feel, lose touch with is the fact that um, many of like they seem to like the public seems to be under the. Um, impression that their people work part time, but in fact that's not true. They're considered casual employees. So, like the typical employee can get, you know, zero hours to forty hours, depending on what um, management seems to want to schedule people. So many of the employees can go, you know, weeks without having any shifts at all. And they don't fall, like there's no benefits for people. And, you know, I think it's really important for the public to know that, you know, it's not about money. And I think that, um, you know, it's more about fair treatment of, of workers. And, that's, well, and, and, and that I can understand. And I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a huge union fan, um, having been members of unions. And that's why, mm-hmm. in, the, in my personal experience, they didn't stand up for me and for my problems in the workplace, uh, but some do, and and I understand that. You know, the the scheduling where one week you're on 40 weeks and then you get three weeks with no time. You, you know where else and I've heard of that happening? Where? CBC. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I've, had, I've known people that have been with that place for 10 years working full-time hours and not being made a full-time employee. 
And, and I've also heard of the getting laid off every three months so that you remain a casual employee and they don't have to put you on the benefits payroll. Yeah, there's many people that work for LCBO that have been there 10, 12, 15 years. They're still considered casual without any kind of job security whatsoever. And I, I think that, you know, I don't think the public or maybe generally the public isn't aware of the fact that it isn't about money in this case. You know, it's about, you know, people having to do two and three jobs just to um, maintain a living. And Kathleen Wynne um, is on the radio or TV anytime she can get her mug on, on air saying, oh, we want better working conditions for the people in Ontario. But uh, she, she helps control an awfully big employer. She could go a long way to that. Oh, for sure. All right. No, absolutely. Thanks for the call, Sue. Thanks. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. I think part of the problem for lack of bargaining chip for LCBO workers, and this affects the management as well, is that we don't have just one outlet anymore. You want beer, the beer store is still going to be open, or you're here, we can go across to Quebec. We can also go to the SAQ. If you need wine, you can go to the wine rack, the wine shop. You can go to grocery stores now. So there isn't the monopoly that was once there. So I think this is going to be a different round of negotiations. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Stick around. We've got a lot more to come, including more from the NHL Awards, the expansion draft, and your calls. At 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Beyond the News at CFRA.com is the email address. A rebel? You know it. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five. Pierre Dorian just lost out on the um, uh, coach of the year to David Poyle from, or sorry, a GMA of the year to uh, to David Poyle from the uh, uh, Nashville Predators. But um, yeah, can't you can't argue that uh, the Predators had a great year. So, but you know, Carlson lost, Dorian lost. Not a great night for the Sen yet. We'll see what happens with the expansion draft. 521-TALK, 521-8255. Star 580 on Bell Mobility or 1-800-580-CFRA. Allen in Ottawa calling in about the sin taxes that they want to put up again and again and again. Dear God, how much more taxes can we hold? Uh, do, you, mean, do you have change left in your pocket? Oh, dear God, my pockets are so empty it's sad. What do you have lint? If you have lint, they will come for the lint. Uh, you know, wh- what can they get from you? Absolutely nothing. Other than <laughs> my body parts to sell to China. That may happen. That may happen. Oh, you know, it's like horrible. Uh, I can't believe how much they're taxing us. Yeah. And it's just awful. I'm a member of Acorn. And we protest all week, well, all weekend. And uh, I really have doubts that they ever heard us because they turned their ears deaf. 
Well, it's um, it, it's going to go through by the looks of it. So 2% uh, per year, the tax goes up on beer, it goes up on wine, it goes up on spirits, and they never have to pass this tax increase again, Alan, and they'll just get more money. And don't forget, on the carbon tax, they're going to charge the HST. Oh, don't worry about it. The next time, they're not getting in. <laughs> well, we I shall plan see. I on making sure of that. Uh, I will walk a thousand miles. Kathleen Wynn. Right. Kathleen yeah. wins at 15%, Alan. I know you're a big fan of hers. How do you feel about that? Oh, you know when she's a doggy? I hope sometimes a big truck... Oh, no, 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 no. We're not advocating violence here. All right. Thanks for the call, Alan. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. I don't like hearing about the violent stuff. Uh, Frank in Greeley calling in about the Golden Knights and the Beards. Frank, go. Oh, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, by the way, I did work uh, for CBC, like casual, 1982. Yeah, well, they're yes. still they're still hiring ca- people casual and keeping yeah. them on casual for a very long time. Like a casual, like I was at uh, headquarters here at, at Bronson. Yeah, yeah, I was working there like fire clerk in the mailroom. Yeah. So, w- what are your thoughts? You were calling in about the um, okay the expansion draft. Yeah, pretty cool. Like I remember when uh, the golden what do they call the jeez um, oh, uh, the Seals. I remember the California in. Golden Seals. Yeah, the Seals, and uh, when they came in, and also the uh, Vancouver, you know, uh, Canucks. Yep. When they came in at first, uh, but beards I hate. No. You're not a fan of the beards? No, no, no. Forget about the beards. No, no. I'm not a beard man. <laughs> All right. Forget, th- forget, th- forget about the beards. Thanks for the call, Frank. Okay. Let's go to George in the Prior. It's uh, it's all the regulars tonight. Where 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 the the unusuals the the first time callers five two one talk five two one eight two five five. You're calling in about food, George. Yeah, but so you don't believe in using a heavy truck on it, right? Uh, no, I don't. I don't believe <laughs> okay. in 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 advocating violence against politicians. Take a slow, ever. easy research method and use rain gradually flood the place. Anyway. <clears throat> On food, I was talking to one of the local um, uh, growers. Yeah. One of the local, local small growers, and he, he says his veggie crop is coming along okay. You know, having no major problems, no no seed uh, flooding or anything like that, or no mold or anything. He says his crop is coming along okay, but he wished there was a little more heat, though. He says that the temperature seems to be a little chilly for this time of year. Okay, so maybe that reduces um, their yield, and so prices have to go it, up. He never mentioned a reduced yield. I, I'm just saying that that yeah. could happen. He says he won't make a profit until um, later on in the year. That's when he starts making his, his money, after, in the end of the growing season, eh? Yeah. And he says he says he's got a new good crop out there of mosquitoes and black flies, though. Oh, I, nobody wants a good crop of mosquitoes we and black We were discussing flies. what to spray on him and uh, what to use to get rid of that, eh? So when he's working out in the fields. And we are discussing some other uh, techniques and things that were coming up and the weather patterns and things. So there's an idea of how you can't be certain what the food food crops are going to go because you don't know how they're going to grow, eh? Okay. Okay. Thanks for the call, George. You might. Uh, being a farmer, it's uh, it's constantly guessing, constantly trying to figure out what uh, is going to happen next. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility or 1-800-580-CFRA. I can't believe that nobody wants to call in and comment on... I, I missed this story the other night, but raising it now... OC Transpo wanting to spend 
$4.8 million on training staff for the LRT because uh, they forgot to put that in. It kind of should have been part of the original deal, don't you think? 521-TALK, 521-8255. He's hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Craig Anderson up taking, uh, well, just wrapped up his speech after winning the uh, Bill Masterson uh, Memorial Award, uh, an award given out to the player showing perseverance. Bill Masterson dying in 1968 after injuries sustained during a game um, while playing for uh, from Minnesota back in the early expansion days. Uh, game against the uh, the Oakland Seals, as they were called back then, not the California Golden Seals. So Anderson winning, thanking his um, thanking his wife, his family, the team, the support that he uh, he received throughout the year. Very touching speech. I'm sure that at some point we'll be able to play you some of that, just not yet. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility, or 1-800-580-CFRA. We've got this huge drug bust that happened in Ottawa today. A pill press that could produce 20,000 counterfeit pills an hour was among the items seized, says Drug Unit Sergeant Rick Carey. The potential there to produce about 600,000 pills with this equipment, that could have had a, a major effect on the, on the summer season coming into Ottawa. A major effect. No kidding. No kidding at all. I, that is just a huge, huge operation. I've been looking at the photos. The machine, the pill press, was on an industrial scale, uh, handgun, shotguns, uh, rifle, all of this seized along with uh, three men and one woman facing charges today, Kerry said. The potential there to produce about 600,000. Uh, sorry, that's the wrong clip. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Ecstasy seized. Cocaine seized. We believe that there would be other opioids. We don't know. Some of this material is being uh, tested. But what do you make of this huge bust? What does it say of the the state of where things are in our city? We are now giving kids warnings before they go out to prom about not taking pills. We're giving kids warnings before they go out to concerts about not taking pills. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580. Uh, Guy, the Capital Voice, you're on Beyond the News. Hi, Brian. Thanks for mentioning that. And it's quite concerning. I was talking to a couple of officers today who were down at that crash on O'Connor. And there's a lot of people shaking their heads right now, Brian, because three of the four people that are responsible for probably one of the largest poison projects in our city who are killing our children have been released on bail. And the fourth one will be released on bail tomorrow while two of the other people are still being sought. Now, let let me just ask you, Brian, in what world does a seven-month investigation with huge amounts of police resources take place where kids have died and they get released 
the next day after being charged with firearms <clears throat> and enough bullets to kill and enough pills to kill half the city? 400 rounds of uh, ammunition for the handgun. Brian, if these people were in the United States, I lived in Pittsburgh, they would never see the light of day. They would be held until trial. What is with our justice system, Brian? Or there'd be at least a substantial bail, and I don't see that in the news release. Hold on, Guy. I don't see that in the news release from the police. What I see under their names, Calvin Tan, let me read off what he was charged with. 24-year-old male Calvin Tan. Possession for the purpose of tra- trafficking, Schedule 1. Possession for the purpose of trafficking, cocaine. Possession for the purpose of trafficking, marijuana. Possession of proceeds of crime. Da- uh, possession of dangerous weapons, conspiracy. Released with a promise to appear. Did you see the machine, Brian? I did. A promise to appear. On a, another one, Allison Hayes, the female, 27. Uh, possession uh, of an unauthorized firearm, along with possession for the purposes of trafficking in hashish, MDMA, marijuana, and Schedule One narcotics. I wonder how Teslin Russell's father feels about that, and I wonder how Chloe, Chloe feels about that too, Brian. I just I can't believe our justice system would would catch and release with people that are are, are, are possibly responsible for killing our children. And it, uh, can we Un- not argue that there are flight risks? Unfathomable. I would agree. Thanks for the call, guy. 521-TALK, 521-8255. Guy raises a very good point here. We're talking about people with huge amounts of drugs, weapons, illegal weapons. One was a sawed-off Remington 1870 shotgun. Well, a sawed-off shotgun is illegal in Canada. A Smith & Wesson 40 caliber semi-automatic with extra magazine and 400 rounds of ammo, two cocaine presses, the pills, powder to be analyzed, drug packaging and paraphernalia, steroids, significant amount of Canadian currency. At the bottom of this news release, they've They've got the uh, the website, stopoverdoseottawa.ca. Well, that's great. Help stop the overdose. Why release them on a promise to appear? 521-TALK, 521-8255. Jamie in Canada is calling in about polls. Jamie, you're on Beyond the News. Hey, what's going on, Brian? Thanks for having me on the air. Anytime. Um, yeah, that's uh, it's kind of sad about that crime stuff there. Um, but uh, going back about the polls, um, can we even trust the polls now? Like, especially with Brexit that happened in Britain, saying it was never going to happen, it happened. Trump never supposed to be president, according to the polls, he becomes president. <clears throat> so can we even trust these polls anymore? Well, uh, you can trust me because I said both those things would happen. <laughs> and I spoke to pollsters that said they would happen. I spoke to Fran Coombs tonight um, okay. from Rasmussen Reports. Fran was Fran was talking about how yeah, very possible that Trump can win. He didn't say he would win, but yeah. he's definitely it's a strong possibility this could happen. He did not he was not saying ninety percent chance that Hillary wins. The night before Brexit, I had Daryl Bricker. He's the guy in charge of global polling for Ipsos. And he said to me, Brian, <clears throat> the Remain side have a slight lead. I should go back and find the the audio of this. It's somewhere on the website. Uh, Brian, the the uh, 
the Remain side have a slight lead, but he said you look at who is backing Remain and who is backing Leave, and he said I think that could throw it to the Leave side, to the Brexit side, because he said it's mostly young people that don't vote, that won't go out and cast their ballot, that wanted to stay in the mm-hmm. EU, and people that, you know, you start getting up to 30, 35, 40, it just, it increased with age, the preponderance. So mm-hmm. it, it, I, I've been in this game a long time, so I know who I choose to listen to. I don't listen to all the polls. Okay. Um, I, I, I look at their methodology, and, and I only bring on people that I trust. Okay, so it's just a matter of certain, uh, like, uh, mainstream uh, news organizations uh, like cherry picking polls I, that fit their views essentially i kept saying during the conservative leadership race you can't poll for this thing yeah you cannot poll for it it's impossible and main street polled on it and it doesn't look too good for them now and they're out yeah. there trying to explain it away and saying well there's lost ballots and there's this and there's that and that's why we weren't right or you just admit that we did our best but it's impossible to pull for that race yeah, that's that's a good answer. It's it's to me also the amount of money that uh, that's poured into these campaigns, especially when you look more south of the border, and like that, uh, like today that the gentleman that won or the woman that won, that mm-hmm. you know wasn't supposed to win. I think it was uh, what what state was that? Alabama, yeah, Ge- or Georgia, Georgia. Yeah, fifty three no? million dollars spent, most of it by the Democrats. Yeah. To try and unseat the Republicans, and they came close, but that's after spending more than twenty-five million dollars to try and unseat her that's, in that's, in a single congressional district. Yeah, that's 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 a lot for just one congressional district. You know, like that's, you know, that's crazy to me. You know that our parties can't spend that for the entire country, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know the Canadians. It's a little different over here, but uh, yeah, in the states, it's, that's that's crazy to me, though. Fit, like fit, uh, over fifty million dollars. When my they parents are lose. down in Florida and it's election time, they say it's actually horrible to watch TV or listening uh, listen to the radio because you're just inundated with ads. It's constant, constant, constant. Now they're not voters down there, so they're not getting the phone calls. They're you know yeah. they don't call people that can't vote. But, uh, they, you know, the broadcast airways, uh, you're not hearing ads for mattresses or appliance sales or car dealers. It's so-and-so's evil. No, so-and-so's evil. Yeah, It's back much. and forth like that. Thanks for the also, call, Jim. Brian, do you have anything? Are you going to do anything more thing on uh, SoundCloud? I've been listening to your... You know what? I, yeah, I, I just need to get consistent on that. But uh, okay. there will be one up tonight for sure. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. 521-TALK, 521-8255. Let's go to Kevin in Gatineau. Kevin, you're on Beyond the News. Hi, Brian. How are you today? Well, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm a little disturbed by these drug busts, which is what you're calling in about. Absolutely. Um, as a recovering addict, I uh, personally want to thank you know any police officers that have been involved in this. Um, I mean, it's so important that maybe this discourages other traffickers or distributors or manufacturers that actually stop doing what they're doing, ruining people's lives, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, uh, it's an important thing that, uh, that, that we actually get to bust these people. It's kind of uh, incredible to think that in our city, you know, in Ottawa, we have these kind of things. 
I'm quite surprised, actually. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm quite happy that the cops busted them. I'm disappointed that the courts let them go with a promise yeah. to appear. It didn't even say, you know, they, they posted a bail bond of uh, $100,000. Well, you've got the equipment to make 600,000 pills, Kevin. You're a yeah. serious big-time drug dealer. When you've got these illegal weapons and all that cash, I think that you're a danger and a flight risk, and they're released on promise to appear? I agree with you, but it, it doesn't it seem to happen with a lot of promises to, to appear when it comes to drug busts. Well, you know, I'm going to um, I'm going to check in with some defense lawyers I know, and maybe they'll come on tomorrow. Maybe they won't. But, I, you know, I want to ask them about this and, and get their take. Uh, their defense lawyers, they don't want to have a, a big um, uh, bail bond set for their clients. They don't want a, a large bail limit. They don't want their clients stuck in jail because as defense lawyers, it's their job to get them out. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I'll talk to them on background and, and see what I can find out. Maybe they'll be a bit more open if they're not on the air. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I'm, thank you for uh, for sharing the story with us. All right. Thank you. And uh, and, and I, as a recovering addict, I hope you stay recovering. Thanks so much, Kevin. Sure. Thanks. Bye now. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five. Back with more, including I'll I'll talk to Elsie about his looming depression. I don't, I'm not sure he can do the rest of the show with what just happened to the Senators in the expansion draft. Back after this. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Broussard behind the net. Lost the puck, gets it back. Long the board. Tries to scoop it back to the corner. Centering pass. There's Mathot with a shot. Look through the face. Scores! Mark Mathot gets his own rebound. Two! Nothing Ottawa! Lovely little soft hand move from Mark Mathot. Uh, you won't be hearing that called out. Not anymore. Not next season. Mark Mathot taken by the Las Vegas Golden Knights in the expansion draft today. And uh, so obviously, Elsie, he was not protected. We knew that going in, but there wasn't a side deal for him either. All these talk of side deals and now maybe the other talk of a side deal of him being traded to Toronto in exchange for something else will happen because trading kicks off in earnest again when? I'm not actually quite it's sure, but week? probably probably before draft day because I have seen deals made on draft day. Yeah, I think it's this week it kicks off. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, what are your thoughts, Mark Mathot, leaving the uh, the Ottawa Senators? Well, obviously I would have liked him to be protected. And in my opinion, I would have protected him over Cody Ceci. And it's nothing against Cody Ceci. Like, Cody Ceci is a great player. But you look at uh, the guys they have coming up, uh, Thomas Shabbat in particular, who has in, in some aspects, been compared to Eric Carlson. Uh, he's drawn some comparisons into certain traits of his game. But you have a guy like Mark Mathod, who's 31, who is paired with Eric Carlson, who's arguably the best defenseman on earth, although the voters disagreed and decided to give that honor to Brent Burns tonight. But anyways, I digress on that topic for now. Um, and you put Dion Phaneuf on Cody Cece's line, that's two defensive lines with an offensive defenseman and a defensive defenseman. 
now all of a sudden, and we and I've heard you know um, TSN talk about the Trey Bay board is Phaneuf on his way out. He better not be because Ottawa now needs Dion Phaneuf now more than ever. So it gets back to Mark my thought. How are the fans reacting? Well, uh, the drive on TSN twelve hundred took some calls. Here's what Luke had to say. With Mark's contract at five million dollars and the points that he doesn't put up, I think the organization looked at the situation where they have a lot of depth on the left side. D. Shabbat's going to be quite a player, and the big hole in this team is scoring, so they can use that money to maybe go out and get a forward or a center that we actually need. Now, Richard also called into the drive on TSN 1200. Here are his thoughts. At the end of the day, uh, this team cannot take another step back of what they accomplished this season. they got to move forward. And it may be the point where you might have to go look at another defenseman to eat up those minutes. And my thought is, why not look at someone like Jay Bomeister? $5.4 million for two years. He is older. You might be able to get him at a discount rate because of that. In my opinion, I'm more of a if-it-ain't-broke-don't-fix-it kind of guy. So that's why I preferred Mark Mathot. And also, if you protect Mark Mathot and leave Cody Cece available, you can try and make a side deal. In my opinion, I think it would have been more expensive to try and get Mark Mathot back from the clutches of the Vegas Golden Knights through a side deal. I think it would have been cheaper to do that with CeCe than Mathot. I think Mark Mathot has more value than Cody Cece. And I think if Pierre Dorian tried to make a side deal... And the response is from George McPhee, okay, well, we want either Shabbat or uh, some guy named Colin White. That's probably the deal breaker because, like, because if, that's if, the if the future. side deal involved either one of those two names, Shabbat or Colin White. That, that, that's the future yeah. going forward. Okay, They're well, throwing the future away. Uh, we'll, we'll see what uh, what the folks have to say on the morning rush tomorrow, and of course, uh, TSN's morning show as well. It's, oh, they'll, um, they'll have big, they'll have big time show material. To and talk of about course, uh, Friday, it, the draft is Friday night. Yep, correct. Okay, so uh, that, of course, will generate a lot of hockey attention as well. That uh, that just about wraps the show for tonight. I, I did tweet out a, a photo. I was talking about eating a, a freezy on air. So I tweeted out a photo of the freezy leaning against my headphones. Interesting reply from Charlotte, who said, um, is that the Canadian word for icy pole? Or is icy pole the Australian word for freezy? I'm going to go with... The Aussies have it wrong because, but well, we're the country of freezing. So uh, that would be that would be my guess. And Herblin tweeted at me, "You stopped at one. You must have some iron will." Well, that and I can't keep running out to the freezer while I'm doing a show. I'm, I'm not saying that I won't grab another one on on the way out the door. I could. I, you know what? Tomorrow night, put on your thinking caps between now and tomorrow night because I have to freshen up the. Um, the intro music. We've been using the same intro music since we launched in March of 2016. So need some fresh songs? We'll take your thoughts. You can call them in tomorrow or you can email me beyond the news at CFRA.com. And as much as I love classic rock, if it's old classic rock, that ain't going to make the list. So it's got to be something that you'd say, yeah, be little would play that. We'll do that. Send me your thoughts beyond the news at CFRA.com. Until then, That wraps the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks to participating. Thanks to Kathleen Wynn for only rising all the way up to 15% support. Back at it again tomorrow. As always, remember, I'm on your side.